Hot off the press of inaccurate opinions, the British Expeditionary Force has been pushed back to the French city of Dunkirk, where the Luftwaffe plans to wipe out their retreating army. Here to talk about it are two war correspondents. Dunkirk, directed by Christopher Nolan in his 14th feature film as director. 14. That's a lot. But, you know, coming off the success of the uh, Dark Knight trilogy and Inception. Um, Interstellar, I think. What's your favorite Christopher Nolan movie? I I don't know. I, I'm sure there's one that he directed that I watched that I just didn't know he directed, you know? For he, me, it's it's between... Jeez, it's hard. It's hard to pick. It's uh, either Interstellar or The Dark Knight, I think. The Dark Knight is obviously his most known movie. Yeah. Because of Heath Ledger and just Heath Ledger, pretty much. Well, so this came out in 2017. 2017. And so was Interstellar the movie that came out before this? Yes. Um, He directed... He directed another film before, uh, before, um, that. Before Interstellar? It was a, uh, yeah, it was a short film, a short documentary film about animators Stephen and Timothy Quay, Quay, Q-U-A-Y, not sure how it's pronounced, but it wasn't like a big theatrical release. Okay. So I guess, yeah, Interstellar was the one that came before. Yeah, very different movie from that one, you know. Yeah. Well, he tends to, I mean... Even though there's time travel in this one. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about uh. that. <laughs> um, yeah, so Interstellar came before, but he tends to do different like ideas for all of his movies. Yeah, well... Besides The Dark Knight, which was a trilogy. I mean, he directed Memento too, right? Yes. When was that out? Hold on, I have the, that, I have the filmography right here. That was... um. The 90s, right? Hold on. 2000. Okay, I was, well, you know. Close enough. And I guess, you know, and again, we'll get into why this movie jumps time a lot or whatever, but that memento jumped time a lot, you know? Well, yeah, Inception too. But Inception is pretty easy to follow. Yeah. But it's not It's not that it jumps time, it's that it's like... Well, it's memories. No, it's it's like in a dream, like in multiple levels of dreams. No, I'm talking about Memento right now. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, and Inception is similar in that it plays with time, and Tenet does as well. Haven't seen it, but I haven't either. Um, but we'll I don't think that, though. Yeah, I don't think how he played with time in this war movie was appropriate. You know, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. It was definitely it's definitely not an easy viewing experience, especially your first time. I've seen it like two or three times now, and it doesn't even get easier. I think this was my third time watching it when we watched it to do the review. But it again, we'll, we'll talk about it. It just doesn't make sense. To yeah, me. cast. Yeah, um, One Direction guy, Harry Styles, <laughs> and he's not. <laughs> he's uh, he's how a, do you feel about how do you feel about like boy band actors? I mean, honestly, he wasn't really in the movie enough to really to make me care. And I mean, he did, he did a, a pretty enough yeah, job. a good job, you know. I mean, yeah. he wasn't singing. That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe if it was a musical, he'd be better suited. Yeah. Well, but the the role didn't demand a whole lot of like. Well, they just needed young boys, you know. It didn't demand a whole lot of nuance at all. Well, yeah. Like, it's just uh. I mean, the motivations are pretty clear. You're trying to get home. The The character doesn't have to have a whole lot of backstory because none of them do. They they all just kind of... It's, it's kind of like the viewer is one of them and, like, is all alone and doesn't know anything about any of them. So it's... Yeah. Well, I mean, it's depicting the um, escape of over 400,000 men, you know? The role so, wasn't I mean, it very... It wasn't very demanding... And it's a good first role, I guess. I don't know. I'm not familiar with Harry Styles' acting career, but... And it's not something I'm going to go out and look for. <laughs> I mean, if it was his first role, he did a decent job. 
he did what was asked of him. That's all that really matters. Yeah. And um a couple of his uh of Christopher Nolan's uh, usual suspects is back, you know. Yep. Tom Hardy, uh Tom Hardy. Cillian Murphy. Yep. Uh Bane and Scarecrow, respectively. Yep. yep. <laughs> Both having been in, I wonder how many, how many of, uh, how many of Christopher Nolan's movies Tom Hardy has been in? Well, he was in Inception. Inception. Yeah, Inception. Well, both of them were in Inception. Uh, they were. Yeah. So both of them, I think, have been in the same amount of movies. No, because Tom Hardy wasn't in Batman Begins. Yeah, but no, Cillian Murphy was in all three. Of the Dark Knight trilogy movies. Well, I remember the first and the third one, but I don't... Who did he play in the second one? Scarecrow. Scarecrow was in, in the second one. Yeah, he was. He was at the very beginning. Very briefly. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah, he was in... He was... He. It was basically just a cameo in The Dark Knight. Okay. But he has more of a prominent role in Batman Begins and Dark Knight Rises. So anyway, that's yeah. uh, that's three for Cillian Murphy, four plus Inception, and five... Including Dunkirk. Yeah. And so Tom Hardy, that would make it three. Inception. Well, I'm sure it's more. Dark Knight Rises and Dunkirk. I'm sure it's more. Um, you're right. But Tom Hardy plays uh, the main pilot uh, the, of Spitfire, you know, in this movie. And uh, Cillian Murphy just plays a, a lone survivor from a sunken ship, you know? Yeah. And uh was Michael Caine Michael Caine was the voice of uh of the pilot that got shot down, right? No. I I'm, I'm pretty sure he was. I'm pretty sure the the leader who got shot down, you remember in the very beginning? I I understand that. Was that the, Michael Caine? No, cuz I think they showed the the guy's face, you know, and it wasn't Michael Caine. I don't think Michael Caine's in this movie. I'm looking it up. Yes, it was Michael Caine. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. That was that was crazy to me, thinking of Michael Caine being uh, an RAF pilot at his age. <laughs> um. Yeah. So Michael Caine cameoed. Okay. That's that's neat. Yeah. That's neat. Michael Caine, obviously another Christopher Nolan favorite. Yeah, and I wonder why uh, they chose uh, Kenneth Branagh for the commander role instead of him. You know. Yeah. The, yeah, Michael Caine might have made a better, I don't know, it might be, he might be too old. Ah, uh, who knows. I think. But, who was the other pilot? The other pilot's familiar to me. He uh, looked familiar at least. What has he been in? I have no clue. And then your other somewhat main character is uh, Fionn Whitehead. He plays a, another uh, expeditionary force soldier that... You know, is trying to con his way onto a <laughs> yeah. escape boat. You know, yeah. Um, how, I mean, how they pretty much all do. Yeah, but he's the one that we're introduced to at the beginning. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, the one who it starts with. Yeah, yeah. And um, and lastly, we'll just throw Mark Rylance in there. He's a uh, again the main uh. Yacht driver, or the, uh, commander, you know. The yacht. Captain. Captain. There we go. <laughs> the privateer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he drove the... Did you say drove for a ship? Sailed. Sailed. <laughs> commandeered. He drove the boat. Well, he, it was his own boat, you know. He, he didn't drove commandeer his, his own boat. Yeah, you're right. So he's the... the the captain, let's call it. Yeah, and the, and the dad, you know, he brought yeah, his he brought his boy the, and some some neighbor boy with him. You of know? the main boat that we uh, follow. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, this movie is depicting Operation Dynamo, where Dunkirk, where the British, nineteen forty. Yeah, May nineteen forty, and it was this, like this is Churchill's first month as prime minister. This happens. Yeah, rocky start. Yeah, and it hasn't even been a month, you know. He, I think he was prime minister starting on the tenth of May, and this, oh, Jesus. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, this happens, you know, 
two weeks or so into his uh, leadership role, you know, on the island. And well, uh, that's the kind of event that like makes or breaks you as a well, yeah, leader. Yeah, and I guess it made him rather than breaking him. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the British, you know, if you read about Churchill, you know, it kind of you get the idea that they just used him for the war. Because yeah. afterwards, you know, he kind of got pushed to the wayside. But poor Winston. But right now, you know, he's they're figuring out a way to get, you know, they're a pretty big chunk of their the army. Entire almost the entire British army. Yeah, out of stuck. France. Because, you know, Hitler was just Hitler's armies, not Hitler himself, but you know <laughs> the Hitler's armies were plowing through Europe, you know. They absolutely railed Europe. Yeah, and Blitzkrieg, and I I find that just incredibly uh like insane, you know, because like they they were they were doing it with such speed, you know, that the French were were Britain's last line of defense, you know, and Britain was um they were uh, relying on France to stop Germany, you know. Yeah, but. By the time that, well, it was the Maginot Line that well, they thought yeah. was going to be this, you know, saving grace well, of France. Well, yeah, but you know, it's it's the whole thing about you uh, prepare for the war, the prior war instead of the future war. Yeah, that's you know? true. Because that's true. They're they're building up all these, you know, pillboxes or whatever yeah. on the Maginot Line, but you know, yeah. the advancements then, in technology and had, then had, the Germans cut through the Ardennes. Yeah, basically, go right past them. Yeah, and. All of it, and then you have this, uh, this uh, pincer. What did they call it? The uh, I read about it. They it was the basically the German army had pinched the the French, English, and Belgians, and they all ended up in France at Dunkirk at the British Channel or the English Channel. Excuse me. Yeah. And I think one thing that Dunkirk does very well is portray the the sense of, of urgency and the tension in the fact that the Germans are literally right there. Yeah. And they're and ready to... The only thing that saved these 400,000, you know, uh, British troops was uh, Hitler's um, chief of the... Uh, army or whatever the Wehrmacht, whatever you call it yeah told him to slow down so you know if he hadn't said that or hitler hadn't listened to him it would be a completely different outcome well, because, you know because feasibly the feasibly <clears throat> the germans were already aware that there were going to be fuel shortages later in the war and they were already trying well, to mitigate well that. look look the germans at this point in the war thought it was going to be over by december 1940 yeah so he was Fuel shortages or not, like they were, they were. Booking oh, because it. they knew they were going to have fuel shortages, so they knew when they had to have the war finished by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Hitler's uh, army man told him to slow down, and then Gehring, you know, Hermann Gehring came up and was like, "Well, you know what? Since they're all over there, you know, the Luftwaffe can they got it? They can take care of it, you know, because he it. was a pilot in World War One. Yeah, and um, he had this, you know, fantastic idea of what the Air Force could do." with his antiquated beliefs because yeah. all he knew how to fly was the World War One biplanes, you know? And or triplanes, you know, whatever whatever they were. You know, Germans triplanes or they had biplanes too. The weather had other planes. Anyhow. And he also didn't understand uh fighting in the air in the nineteen forties, you know? All oh, he yeah, understood it was, totally was different. Yeah, he he only understood fighting in the air in the you know nineteen Tens, you know, so yeah, yeah. He, he was, you know, but he just boosted Hitler's head up about the Luftwaffe, you know, and you know, I mean, some of it was kind of true about the Luftwaffe, but you know, it was definitely very powerful. Yeah, and they definitely had the ability to maintain air superiority. Yeah. Um. But long story short, the British were the the British, French, and the Belgian armies were all stuck at. Dunkirk in France. And so the the movie tells the story of how with using, you know, the the Royal Navy, 
um, the Royal Air Force and um, a reserve of civilian, um, basically pleasure yachts. Yeah. How they rescued almost the entire British Expeditionary Force from Dunkirk in a period of weeks. Mm-hmm. And also French. They didn't. They didn't go into a whole lot of detail about all the French that were saved as well. But there were a considerable number of French soldiers that were also saved. Yeah. One thing so, I read about though that was interesting is there were actually about forty thousand British soldiers that were actually left behind that didn't make it back. Yeah, well, and there was also, they only thought that they were going to save like 30 or 40,000 soldiers in yeah. the initial, you know, yeah. push to get them out. But yeah. they ended up, you know, doing like 10 times that, you know. Yeah. Um, well, anyhow, there's a brief history lesson on what we're fixing to talk about. <laughs> yeah, dude, don't let us talk about history, bro. Cause uh-huh. it'll, we'll bring it back up, it'll go you know. Too far, we'll bring it back up when it applies, but. Yeah, yeah. This is stuff they don't talk to you about and. U.S. Yeah. schools. <laughs> I knew this was going to be hard to like focus on the movie itself. Well, it's because the, the history is way yeah, it's, it's in, way very, more interesting than the movie, and it's which it's is important. Sad. It's important that the historical uh, accuracy of the movie is, you know, measured. Yeah. So don't worry, we'll get into the inaccuracies here as well, <laughs> because there are a few. Yeah. Um, so. Well, we open up on what was it like six soldiers or something. It was a squad-sized element, I guess. Yeah. So it was a British squad. And they were, they were making their way towards the beach or whatever, and yeah. uh, leaflets were falling on them saying, you know, the we Germans surround, surround you. you. <laughs> was that a real thing? I, I think so. I Why would they waste their time dropping leaflets rather than bombs? If that was a real thing... You know, good on good on Nolan and well, everybody else. If it was a real thing, it just it would show how um, cocky the Germans were. You know, yeah. Because I bet they were pretty. I bet they were pretty pissed when uh, <laughs> when they finally rolled up on Dunkirk and there was nobody there. <laughs> just a bunch of uh, derelict trucks. Yeah, <laughs> and and boats. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, the squad is. I guess in the city of Dunkirk already. Yeah, and this is where we find our first inaccuracy. Uh-oh. They're in the city of Dunkirk, and it, the movie was filmed on location, from what I understand. But in May 1940, the city of Dunkirk was in ruins. In this movie, it looks like a beautiful seaside town. Yeah, it you looks know? like they haven't even touched it. Yeah, and you know, obviously... You know, they're not going to destroy a city that they're filming on location for, but at least they could have, you know, done Hollywood magic, you know. I think something. Christopher Nolan was trying to get as few special effects as he possibly could in that movie. You think so? I think it, well, I didn't, I mean, from what I saw, I couldn't see any. All that I could see was all practical effects. Well, probably the bullet tracers or whatever. Yeah, that was probably, that was probably computer generated, but. None of the, like, it's not a typical war movie where everything is CGI and people are walking away from explosions. and It's not an action movie at all. Yeah, well, it's a escape movie, you know. Yeah. But they're walking through and then they start getting shot at by the Germans or what you think are Germans. <laughs> what we're led to believe are Germans. Even though you don't really see Germans this whole movie. We see three German soldiers, I believe, in the entire movie. Something like that. Yeah. Well, only one of them escapes, you know, our yeah. our main character. The main character. Well, whoever you want to say is. Is our, there a main character? Well, he's probably the main character for the land, you know, like the land portions. I don't know, man. I don't know if there is main characters. But he escapes. Then the French are shooting at him because they don't know who the hell he is and yeah. You know, obviously that happened during World War Two. You know, you don't know who's who it is, you know, everyone starts yeah. shooting. Yeah. Um they let him through. He gets to the beach and this is where you get your first shot of the amount of people trying to escape, you know. They did not hire enough extras at all. Well, I mean, you know, it's just a section of the beach, you know. Yeah. But it's just lines of hundreds of people, you know. Just standing there at the beach. Yeah. 
waiting, Wait, waiting, to, waiting to board a board a ship, waiting to get on boats that they that may never come. Yeah, and then this is where you get your first, you know, little snippet of text, and it says, "One, the mole, one, one week. week," and you're like, "What? What does that mean? Yeah, what is that?" And so, and this is where you know you start to get the whole. It goes through time, you know. So yeah. When it starts, they're at a week from, I guess, that one person getting out of Dunkirk? Or was it the the whole of the people, you know? I guess it's it's from the events of the end of the movie. Where they're on the train? Where they're on the train and where... Okay. Yeah. All but, that stuff. You know, I was like, okay, cool. You know, once you're at the beginning, you know, you can't really... You're not, I guess, prepared to see how much it goes through time towards the middle. Yeah, but. not at all. Anyhow. Or at least I wasn't. <laughs> um full disclosure, it's gonna get it's gonna get tough for me to remember like it already where is. exactly it, it already where is tough exactly for me to it remember. is in the movie, you know, later on. It gets really it gets really convoluted. Yeah. Well what happens after this? You know, I don't So it's pretty linear up to that point. Oh. Or up to the point where the where the first uh ship sinks. It's pretty well, yeah. linear. Yeah. But our um the the sole survivor from that squad, he runs over, you know, to take a shit or whatever on the beach yeah. and uh sees a guy burying a body. Yeah. And then they steal a wounded soldier and run across the beach to because the wounded got on the boats first, right? Yeah. And, and so uh, they thought that by carrying the wounded onto the boat, they themselves also would be accepted. Onto the ship. Yeah. Which and is they would be able to go home. Which is pretty interesting that of a mindset, you know? Yeah, I mean I guess kind of it's kind of a fucked up thing to do, you know? Yeah. To, definitely. To, to use this guy to, you know, oh, and it gets worse. con your way onto a escape boat before everybody else. It gets you know? it definitely gets worse. How do you want how do you want to do this, bro? Do you want to talk about like the the plot as it actually is? Or like the plot as like the movie shows it? I think as the movie shows it. Okay. It's going to be hard to keep track, but yeah, let's give it a shot. <laughs> um, so long story short, there's a big, there's a bunch of, you know, running through the, the, the beach and running down the mole to get on the boat. And then, um, then they finally make, they finally get their wounded to the boat and they get kicked off. <laughs> yeah. And they get kicked off the boat. The Stukas, the Stukas, yeah. The, uh, the German. For those of you who don't know, the Stuka is the German dive bomber. Um, the 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 most infamous German dive bomber of World War Two. Um, well, it's probably the most infamous dive bomber of the whole war. Not just the German dive bomber. Yeah, you definitely. Know? Yeah, I can't even think of the um. The American ones. And another brief history on why dive bombing is better. <laughs> so, they'll come over a target, you know, go into a dive, obviously, and release their bombs and, you know, go back up. Yeah. And because of doing that, it drops the bombs more accurately than just, you know, flying over yeah. and dropping them regularly. Yeah. But what the Germans did with this plane was they, uh, they put tiny propellers on the um landing gear struts yep. that scream as it's coming down you know so it made a siren that became a very infamous uh uh noise to the um receiving the opposition <laughs> the receiving to the to party the, yeah and it's um do they have actual uh stukas for dunkirk I don't know. I mean, I, they look like they actual look Spitfires and actual yeah. Messerschmitts yeah. later, you know. Yeah. So I would assume they got actual Stukas, but you don't really, you don't really fully see the plane, you know. Yeah. Yeah. The the Stukas are never really. I guess toward the end, where uh, like they shoot one down, where they shoot one you know, down, but but. Not when they're like doing their little bombing runs. Yeah. So the the Stukas are constantly doing their little intermittent bombing runs throughout this whole um, sequence, and eventually, um, 
eventually a bomb falls on the ship that is currently at the mole taking the wounded away. And uh, it sinks. So um, the, the, the main characters, they're now in the water. Um, and so now they're first in line to get on the next boat that comes along, right? Well, but they weren't on the boat, remember? Oh, they weren't. They, because uh, they got kicked off. They climbed off the boat, and then they climbed down beneath the mole. Yeah, and so then they jumped so into they could the water. Hide. They and then when the boat the- <laughs> sank and everybody fell in the water, they jumped in the water so it looked like they had fallen off the boat also. Yeah. Um. So then... Then does it go to... Uh, then it goes to the... The, the dad. The, 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 yeah, the yeah. father-son uh, yacht crew. And I guess they're... They're on the island, right? Yeah. Like they go from England to France, right? Yeah, that's so that's England. Um and um And the big takeaway from this scene is that some neighbor boy or whoever he is, you know, some boy that George. Yeah, but he knows the, the father's son, you know. Yeah. He hops onto the boat with him and they're like, George, what are you doing? He's like, well, you know, I thought I would come, you know. He's like, you do know we're going to war. He's like, I'll be useful. Mm, okay. Yeah. And Foreshadowing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, So they, so the the Navy, I guess, was supposed to take their boat and use it. No, I, I but they and, ended and up. I, I, I haven't really read too much about the history on the the little boats that came you know but i feel like it wasn't as widespread as of the navy taking them more than just people thinking that they should go do this you know yeah i don't know i but anyhow in this you know the navy's you know requisitioning the all the boats in the in the port you the know? civilian um the civilian boats the small yeah. civilian boats because they can't get destroyers or whatever close enough to um uh to pick them up in the mole or something like that but they also don't want to um the british also don't want to send destroyers because at this point they're thinking that a german invasion is going to happen yeah so, so they're they're they're, saving in, they're in this the... catch 22 where they know they have to get these soldiers out but yeah. how do we get the soldiers out because if we send what we have and they get sunk then the main island is not going to be protected as much, you know? Yeah. And it's it's a tough spot, you know? It's yeah. a really tough spot to be in. Yeah. Because and if the army dies, that is a big hit, you know? Yeah, that's, because that's almost half you don't a million, have anyone Yeah, to... that's almost half a million soldiers yeah. gone, you know? Yeah. And obviously they're going to fight as much as they can before they're overrun, but still. And... Well, against and against the German Blitzkrieg, they really didn't stand a chance. Well, yeah, because you know they had armor and stuff coming on them. But yeah, so they uh, they drive their little boat away from the the port, and um, and then so now we're going to the Royal Air Force. Yeah. Oh, or, or that one was uh, the sea, one day. Right. Yeah, one day. One day. Yeah, yeah. Because the mole is a week. Yeah. So the mole. Those a- events, the events at the mole, happened a week prior to. Yeah, and so now that then and, and again when we when we go to the the British port, you know, we've jumped in time. A week. Six ahead. days. Yeah. And like okay, and so then you know again you talk about you know so now, now we jump to the Royal Air Force. Yeah. Patrolling, patrolling. Uh, or I, I don't guess think they were headed toward. I think they were going there. They were going to Dunkirk, and that one is an hour. An hour. So that so now, uh, when we're when we're with the air force, it's an hour away from the final ship leaving or something. The, Not, yeah, the last ship leaving, I guess. And again, this is where it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. It doesn't at all. It's definitely it's definitely one of the harder movies to follow. Yeah, and it's not it's not like a good time slips or anything, you know. Yeah, like it's just like say Pulp Fiction for example that slips through time, but yeah. you can understand it, you know. Yeah, and same with um, Interstellar, right? There's a couple they play with time in that too. But that a was, little bit, a little bit. 
but not to like this extent. Yeah, but it's still more. Or not even to the extent of uh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know why they chose to do it in this style because it's just not beneficial to the story at yeah. all. Yeah, and this is a very important event in British history. You and know? it's not something that you want your viewers to be confused about. You know, yeah. while they're trying to understand what actually happened. Yeah. So anyway, there we start off with three, um, three um, Royal Air Force um, Spitfires. Spitfires. Which, and that also to me is kind of interesting because Spitfire was not the most produced plane in Britain. It was the Hurricane. Yeah. Yeah, but something interesting, and I think why you only see three of them, again. They don't want to send their Navy, and they don't want to send their Air Force because of the what they think is an invasion on the British mainland by the Germans. Yeah. And they already didn't have a lot of planes in May 1940. Like, they didn't have a very big Air Force. So something funny that Churchill did was he appointed a newspaper, uh, a guy who made newspapers to build to the, planes. Yeah. And the guy was like, well, I could do it. You know, I've, I've got... Got a booming uh newspaper, newspaper. In- industry, you know? Yeah. Why can't I do it with planes, you know? Yeah. And it's kinda interesting to think about it like that, you know? It's a business, you know? Yeah. This guy that knows nothing about yeah. planes but knows about business. Yeah. Pretty much he he saved the um plane industries in the United Kingdom, you know. Yeah. And he was he, he made an analogy I, I read about him. Uh, he made an analogy saying, you know, uh, a pastor at a Presbyterian church can just as well be a pastor at a Baptist church or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, the Royal Air Force, the the Spitfire, and the fuel. Yeah. You this want to talk is, about is, the fuel? Yeah, this is the big plot for the Spitfires that they are low on fuel. They have... The whole time. <laughs> yeah. They start off with uh, 70 gallons of fuel. How big is the Spitfire's fuel tank? Do you know? Give me a moment. Or what's the range of the Spitfire? 423 miles. Now how wide's the English Channel? 20, 30, 21. 30, 34 miles, or 21 miles at the Strait of Dover. Now, obviously, that's not, you know, I don't know where they took off from, but to well, Dunkirk. The of, wait, the Strait of Dover is on the uh, left side of the island, I think, right? I don't know. Let me so, see how. Let me see how far it is to Dunkirk. Dunkirk is located in the north of France, on the shores of the North Sea, near the Belgian-French border. The Strait of Dover, where the distance between. England and France is just 21 miles across the English Channel is located to the southwest. Yeah. Because of its seaside location near the borders of three European powers, Dunkirk, known as Dunkirk in France, (laughs) and the surrounding area have been the site of centuries of commerce and travel. So we can say it's 20 to 30 miles across the channel. Yeah, but still, that's... Not even ten percent of the fuel capacity, right? Not even. Yeah, and that is ridiculous. I'm sure Spitfire can fly from the tip of Britain all the way to Dunkirk, you know? Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> the the amount of fuel that these Spitfires had and the amount of um the amount of the the range that they had is just absurd. Yeah. And I I don't I obviously I obviously don't know the British uh, Air Force's doctrine on when to turn back on fuel level, you know. But don't you think that would be kind of a time to go back and refuel? Yeah. You know? Because, like, if you got over 400 gallons and you're at 50 now. Yeah. that's You've, you've used up, like, a lot of fuel. <laughs> and there were no, there were no, I mean, was there oil shortages? Were there fuel shortages in Britain at this time in the war? No, there was plane shortages. So if there's planes, so if shortages, anything, <laughs> if think, anything, they would have more than enough fuel yeah. to be able to fly back and forth across yeah. the channel 
you know, yeah. however many times they wanted. So in this case, the fact that the fuel is so very limited is just... And they don't say anything about they've been in the air for, you know, a million hours or whatever. Yeah. They just, they yeah, just no. are in the air, you know? Yeah. And this was my... Apart from the time jumps, you know, this was my biggest problem with the movie. Well, it is the one of the biggest having historical no, inaccuracies. Having no fuel, you know? Yeah. I was like, what the hell? Like zero fuel. So... They get in a little dogfight, right? Yeah, and this is where they lose their first plane of the three. You Michael know. Caine. This is where Michael Caine goes down. Yeah, and it's it's a um, Messerschmitt, you know, which yeah. is, I believe it was Germany's most produced plane. And uh, I think I think it was quicker than a Spitfire, you know? But yeah. I think a Spitfire could catch it in a dive. Yeah. But That sounds right. And this is something interesting. The average age for a Luftwaffe pilot was 26 to 27, and the average age for a British pilot was 21 to 22. Really? Yeah. So so German pilots could have anywhere from like five to six years more, more experience, experience than a British pilot. Yeah. But the British pilots had, you know, they they had their whole country at risk at this point you know yeah. so you know so you, the you stakes kinda, were way higher yeah so you kind of say that the germans they probably i don't know if they knew that that was the age of the british pilots but yeah but they definitely i would say got complacent about their piloting skills compared to these you know the whole of germany yeah. was complacent at this point yeah oh we got them uh we got them tied up we're just gonna let the air force handle them yeah and then Obviously, the weather has other plans, and all the British civilians have other plans. So, moving right along, they... So, Michael Caine gets shot down, and then uh, the um, Tom Hardy and the other guy finish off the remaining... Um, Messerschmitt. Messerschmitt. And, uh, yeah, that's like... And then we get the first indication of fuel level, right? Yeah, he's like, check your fuel. No, it's before that. It's before that because Michael Caine tells them to check their fuel. Okay. So that they can have adequate fighting time over Dunkirk. Yeah. You know. But that's really the long and short of like the, the different diverging storylines. That's where they start anyway. And yeah. the the whole purpose of the rest of the movie is to diverge the three storylines together. You know, the mole being a week out. The the um the boats being a day out, and the air force being an hour out. So, what happens after that? What happens after that? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, they go back to the. The ships that sank or whatever. Dude, I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, at a certain point, you know, they show again that, like, oh, my God, we can't get more ships here. The British only want one ship in the mole at a time because yeah. we lost two in the mole. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. I guess you did. I mean, it's... It's, just... um, so... Yeah, after that, it all starts getting really hard to follow. It's It's hard to follow the whole time, but it... We just watched this yesterday. Yeah. And it's still, like, it's hard to even, you know, like, after the first, you know, RAF encounter, it's like, everything is gone for me. Yeah, I mean. I know that they, uh, I know that the, the mole crew ends up getting in, they end up getting into a ship. Yeah, and it ends up getting that gets fairly in out into the. Into the ocean, right? I mean, I don't know. Or ocean channel, whatever. You know? But I Which, mean, again, it's only 21 miles across the channel. Yeah. So, like, it shouldn't take that long to get all the way, to get all those dudes back over to Britain, you know? Mm-hmm. But they get U-boated. 
yeah. they get attacked by a U-boat. Um, but you don't they're... see the attack until later on because remember when they picked up when they picked up you know the Cillian Murphy's character. Oh, that's boat, right. That was the they boat. Pick, they picked him up. Yeah, the right. Well, I yeah. should say picked up the the father on his yacht picked him up. Yeah, and he was like, "Well, where are we going?" And they're like, "Well, we're going to Dunkirk." He's like, "Oh, no, 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 yeah, don't do yeah, that." Yeah. And he's like, "Well, I'm sorry, but we're doing yeah. that." He's so like, before they get on the boat, the uh, the the private yacht picks up Celian Murphy's character from, um, what is I suppose the the one that got torpedoed. The one that got torpedoed. Yeah, it is because um, he he said so. Uh, so then, that's our first introduction to Celian Murphy's character. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they pick him up, and then we fast forward to. Now keep in mind this is happening uh, six days after the the movie started. They pick up Celian Murphy six days after the movie started, and then so then we go back back in time to the the mole crew getting on the ship. But they got on a different ship, you know? They got on a white ship, you know? And the one that got sank was like a destroyer. And... But, I don't know, like, the whole thing, like, with him not wanting to go back, I think it was also, it was some fear, but then later on, you get a scene of him denying the, um, the first character we're introduced to, uh, access to the boat that they're on, you know? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and so no, I No, that was after the ship got U-boated. That was after it got torpedoed. Yeah. And so, so that's why it doesn't make sense. It gets torpedoed, and then he's already... And then he's already, like, yeah. he's, like, captaining one of the rowboats. Yeah, and he's like, I'm sorry, we don't got enough space, so, they like, drag the guys behind the boat or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, uh, why, why are we doing that? But then it, they, they try to frame it like a flashback for him, because then we're back on the yacht, and... I I don't know, man. It's, it's all just... Wow. It's like there's a movie here, and then this they... This is a tough they, one to review because yeah. it's just... It's like they had a movie, and then they cut it up into random, you know? Yeah. Like, just... Yeah. If they didn't do this to this movie, I it feel like it would so be... It would so much better. Well, it would have been better, but it also would have been a whole lot easier to follow, you know? Well, yeah, definitely so, would have been easier to follow, but... I want to know whose bright idea it was to do this. Because this is just ludicrous, you know? I don't know. I would like to get a hold of the screenplay. But, and especially knowing all the other movies that Christopher Nolan came, came out with. None of them were like this. Yeah. And this is, this is something that you would think a new director did, you know? Yeah. Because This is definitely not characteristic of yeah. Christopher Nolan, and who's literally won multiple Oscars for his movies. Yeah. And I know you like the movie, but it's like, I just, I can't. There's... It's, this is his worst movie, in my opinion, of the you ones that so? I've seen. Of the ones I've seen. Like, Batman Begins yeah. wasn't a good movie, but Batman Begins is better than this one. Well, because Batman Begins has some sort of linear yeah, plot. exactly. That kind of... And see, we're not going to be able to do what we normally do with movies here, which is dissect the movie by its plot. Because the plot is impossible to follow. So if the plot is impossible to follow, then us talking about it is going to be, yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't feel like it's impossible, impossible to follow. Well, but it's no, like it's it's, definitely, it definitely requires way more, you know, uh, thinking from the audience to understand what's going on. It's you know? easier when you're watching it to understand. Not, but even then, not it's really. not that easy. Even then, it's still difficult. Yeah, and still, and watching it multiple times like we have. Yeah. It doesn't even get better, you know? Yeah, it, do- it doesn't really get better. But you have to sit there afterwards and think about it. Yeah. You know? And so, and they take this real-life event, and they chop it up so much to the point where it's like, just read a book about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I feel really sad about, like, the veterans that were still alive and watched it, yeah. you know, because it's like the fact that it's so horribly misrepresented. Yeah, well, it's not misrepresented, but it's just 
all over the place, you know? Well, it's not misrepresented. It's just displayed very poorly. Yeah. Now, the cinematography is great. Yeah. The, um, you know, costuming, the practical effects, the... Everything is, is, you know, very good. Top quality. Yeah. Um, but it's just the, the, the plot as a whole is just not easy to follow. The characters are easily forgettable. Yeah, but I feel like, you know, saying they're easily forgettable, I mean, it is a story about just under half a million soldiers, you know. It is. So, it's I mean, supposed you don't wanna, to be... You don't want to, like single one out you know i think it was supposed deliberately done like that because it's supposed to be a story about them all you know yeah it's it's supposed to be a story about the british escape from at dunkirk Mm -hmm. but it feels like they're i mean are they trying to tell the story through the eyes of a certain few characters or are they not you know Mm -hmm. it's 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 hard to discern because on the one hand, we have these characters who go through the whole, you know, ordeal together, and they basically become the main characters, but we don't even get their names. Yeah. We I mean, don't even you, get their names at all. When you look up the cast, you know, they do have names, but we got Tom Hardy's name in the movie, you know. They yeah, Farrier. Farrier, yeah. But and, that's just and another, like And another... It's not really an issue because, you know, it's they're British people, but <laughs> sometimes I had no clue what they were saying. They had such thick accents. Yeah. Um That's unavoidable though. Yeah. But it's you know, you know it's also they're keeping the continuity of uh them yeah. being British. That's cool. Um so but a- after they after they pick up the guy, you know, then it like there's a scene later on with a German bomber, you know. And you see the bomber like three different times and three different scenes of, and, and, of various, you know, flight, uh, flight capable. And um, he shoots it like, like the first time you see it, he shoots it like he, he shoots at it. Uh, we're talking about Tom Hardy's character here. He shoots at the, at the bomber. The, the bomber is, you know, blowing smoke at that point. So you would think that the bomber is, you know, well, out. I, I thought, oh no, it was later on where you watch it crash. It was, uh, yeah. And then it's later on in the movie yeah. and we see the bomber again and it's not blowing smoke leading the audience to believe that it hasn't, that, that, um, Tom Hardy's character hasn't shot it down yet. Yeah. But I mean, on first view and you're like, is there another one now? Did they send another bomber? When it's the same one from earlier, you know, it is the same one. It's the same one throughout the entire, you know, the entire movie. And it's just, at some points it's just completely incomprehensible. Yeah, at at it's just, worst, it's completely incomprehensible. At it's best, it's you know it's hard like, to follow. Yeah, it's like you're just watching, you're just watching pictures that have nothing to do with the last one you watched. You know, Christopher Nolan is an excellent director, in my opinion, visionary. But in this case, they kind of dropped the ball. I mean, yeah. I enjoyed the movie. Seeing it in theaters was, um was awesome because the the sound design is great um the cinematography is great uh overall it's an overall it's an okay experience yeah it's just you know in such a plot driven movie the plot just doesn't hold up you know mm-hmm. and that's what makes it hard to review hard to talk about is it's just even at some points inconsistent. You know? Mm-hmm. And and later on, you know, they they picked up, you know, the one soldier from the sunken boat, but Yeah. You find out that that boat was the one that the bomber shot down, I thought, or sank. Yeah. And then and then they shoot down the bomber, and the bomber ignites the oil slick, and you know there's a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of uh scenes of like folks not being able to exit the boat and all this, and 
people jumping off into the oil, getting all oily. And, um, yeah. And then the yacht shows up, you know, and saves them. Yeah. And, you know, so everyone hops onto the yacht that, uh, the, the granddad's yacht or whatever. Yeah. And, and earlier, you know, the, guy uh, that was freaking out about going back to Dunkirk had pushed this one guy down, you know, the boy that was just George. along for the ride yeah. with the, the father and his son. Yeah. And, um, he hits his head on something. I don't know. It didn't, didn't seem like a far fall, but he hits his head. Yeah. And, and he dies. He dies. Yeah. And from hitting his head. And it's like, it's also, this is another problem with the movie, you know, I didn't care about the character enough to, have any emotion when he died you know i didn't care about any yeah. of the characters enough to have any emotion when they died true because it it again it jumps all over the place so you don't really get so you don't enough have time. time to you don't have time yeah. to you know and again maybe they maybe that's what they wanted you to do like you don't there are so many of them that you don't you're not supposed to care about one guy dying but you know a bunch of them at a time you know maybe I, I don't know. I don't but know. But still, it's like I... There's there's more... I care more about the history of the event, you know, than the than the movie. Yeah. Um, Which is a little upsetting, you know, because this is... This could have been great, you know? Oh, yeah. It and could have been fantastic. There's not a whole lot really else to say about it. Other than the plot's really inconsistent. Yeah. It's uh it jumps all over the place. The other pilot gets shot down at one point. And then is picked up by the uh the dad, the and dad. His son. How does that work out? Doesn't make sense to me. Oh, where he couldn't open his hatch? Oh, he couldn't open the hatch and then they just Well, he had to do a water smack he, it a couple times with He had the, to crash uh, into the water and um he bailed out. No, he No, uh, he didn't. He uh no, What he, did he call it? He um he he set her in the water. <laughs> he uh ditched. He ditched. That's what it's called. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's struggling with the with the um the cockpit door, you know, and can't do nothing. Can't do nothing. But again, I thought that pilots were always given like pistols or whatnot, right? And supposed to, you know, so. Again, if this if that was really how it happened, where pilots got pistols, I mean, could have just shot the plexiglass or whatever it was made out of, and yeah. escaped. But no, yeah, you know, because we had to have a a, a tense moment. He, yeah, where he, he was uh, trying to whack it with his flare gun. Where they and then the uh, the yacht comes up and they smack it a couple times with the magic wand, and it yeah. magically opens. Oh, I guess I just locked it the whole time. <laughs> Which I mean, you know, if it happens, I'm, I've never been in a crashed plane. I'm sure your adrenaline's, you know, going insane. <laughs> Probably so, considering the incredible whiplash that he just experienced when the yeah plane was going so fast and then yeah. lands in the water. And I mean, pretty much after that, and after they shoot the bomber down, it's I. There's nothing really until they until they escape, you know. Yeah. And then even then, you don't really. It's like, like they just they end up back on the British mainland, you know. Long story short, they do escape. Everybody makes it out. Um, well, not everyone, except, but you know a lot. You know, most of them make it out. Um. And, and they they end up making it back to Britain. Um. Tom Hardy, his plane runs out of fuel after flying less than 21 miles. And he is, his plane then glides for an ungodly amount of time over the Dunkirk beach. Mm-hmm. And then he uh, sets it down on the beach and is captured. By yeah, and when he's setting it down on the beach, you know, he had since he had no fuel, no hydraulics or anything, he had to pump the landing gear down. Yeah, and of course, he gets it open right before yeah, the plane right lands. As the plane is going and, down, you know, 
in a movie context, it's like, ah, oh, whatever. But when you yeah. think about it, I was like, how many times did that pilot have to do that before they got it, you know? Yeah. Because from what you can tell, it's a real Spitfire, you know? Yeah. And that's vintage aircraft right there. And they wanted to risk it like that? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> that's like when they, uh, in uh, Hateful Eight, when oh, they broke yeah. the guitar. <laughs> That was, like, priceless. Yeah, but he didn't know that. Yeah. They knew it was a Spitfire. (laughs) They knew it was an actual Spitfire. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean... Tom Hardy gets captured, everybody else goes home. Yeah, and George dies. Yeah. But he gets put in the paper because, you know, there was a... a, The the one pilot was, you know, really nice and, you know, put his... uh, Gave his buddy's name to the local newspaper to... Make him a hero. Yeah. Even though all that happened was he got pushed down. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, it's... It's just... I mean, what else do we... Yeah, there's... What else do we say? You know? It's a really simple story, but... They just fumbled. Yeah. Just... Utterly and truly just fumbled. And so I guess maybe we'll have to wait another five to ten years for another Dunkirk <laughs> adaptation, you know? And it makes me worried for Tenet, if this is the direction that Christopher Nolan wants to take his movies well, and honestly, his storytelling. Well, I didn't hear very good things about Tenet. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it. Obviously, um, there's going to be cool visuals, but whatever. But, I mean, there were cool visuals in Dunkirk, you know? Yeah. So, is it... I mean... Is Interstellar Christopher Nolan's last great movie? I hope not. There's another scene that I want to touch on that really just kind of came out of nowhere, you know? Like, whenever they were in that um beached, you know, yeah, uh, sailboat. Yeah, like, there was, uh... they come up on a, on a sailboat that's just on the beach, you know? And so they go in there for, uh, for safekeeping until the tide comes. Yeah. And... Somebody just start shooting at they it. They just start getting shot at. Yeah, but they 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 figure out that they're doing target practice on the boat, and because the group's you know real tight, and then yeah. every once in a while it'd be a burst of machine gun fire, and it's like, well, are we led to believe that these are Germans, or is it just is it just Who knows? is it bored British troops just shooting like, at something? You we're know, we're never told. Yeah, and that's it's just random, you know. It's like it's like. The boat just starts getting shot at because the movie needs the plot needs tension, or runtime, <laughs> or runtime. And so now they're like, "Oh man, we gotta plug the holes." And it's like, "Well, and there's, there's like there's like fifty machine gun bu- exactly. uh, bullets in it, you know." There's, there's like no way to plug all the holes. Like eight of you. And so then they, I mean, then that's where they figure out that um, the original the guy that was burying. The other soldier who we, yeah, who we had thought was his friend yeah. was actually a Frenchman yeah, who had stolen the uh, the departed's uniform and is, is posing as a a British soldier so that he can... Yeah, because they, they, there's a scene of, you know, a bunch of French soldiers being denied access to a boat because they're French, but, you know, historically... Obviously, more British were saved than French, but over 100,000 French were taken out of Dunkirk, you know, on that first wave also, you know? That's an interesting, it's an interesting plot point that the guy's French. It's an interesting plot twist, in my opinion. Not really. That's just what I think. Because again, I I don't care about any of these characters enough to like... Yeah, that's true. You know? Like, there's... That's true. I just found it interesting that... There was a decent little plot twist that he's French, and because they were thinking that he was German, and why would he be German? You know. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. So he ended up being French, and uh, that was interesting, I guess, to me. Mm-hmm. It was interesting that he was French. That was a nice little plot twist, and. Uh, and then um. But I then my interest it. level, uh, sharply dropped back to. <laughs> levels it was at before that scene ensued. Yeah. And stayed there for essentially the rest of the movie. 
yeah and then you know after um pretty much after that you know you just there's not a whole yeah, lot they they read churchill's you know we'll fight on the beaches speech and would have had more it would have had more weight to it if if uh everything that happened before had actually meant something or or was put together you know in a in a manner that made sense yeah yeah so they read churchill's uh speech and that's the end of the movie that's yeah. it yeah you know and that i mean that's literally it yeah so i mean if you really like christopher nolan i mean watch it but honestly i'd skip it you know i, yeah. I would steer clear of this movie it's really which see but i want to recommend it so bad because <laughs> because of the uh you know the it's very period correct in its styling and uh you know aesthetics but it's also not but it also has some <laughs> glaring inaccuracies so i mean if you um, really want to learn about dunkirk you know read about it <laughs> yeah definitely don't go to this movie to learn about what happened to Dunkirk? You know, if you're a middle school teacher, don't uh, <laughs> don't show this to the students. To, but but uh, if you want to learn about how not to make a movie, watch it. <laughs> yeah, if you want to learn how not to write a plot, this is the movie that you go to. So I mean, yeah, we just we can't recommend it. Yeah, it's, I mean, I definitely can't. Which is, you know, it's that's sad. You know, I like World War Two movies. This one just doesn't. and this is also a cool it's it's a cool premise because it's a World War Two movie from the British perspective, you know. Yeah. And they. It just doesn't hit the mark. Yeah, they just they shit the bed, you know. Yeah, definitely. The real Operation Dynamo was a resounding success. However, Dunkirk's depiction of this event is a sinking ship. We'll leave you with one of our favorite quotes from Winston Churchill. Never in the field of human conflict has so much been owed by so many to so few. See you next time.